many of you were not here last Sunday? You were not here. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to do a quick little review for you. But before we do, I'd like to have you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Stand with me for the reading of God's Word. The title of my message is, the title of my series is Baggage-Free Living. The title of the message today is, Who Packed Your Bags? Who Packed Your Bags? We're going to look at two passages of Scripture. And the reason that we do that on a weekly basis, and I encourage you to bring your Bibles, because we read our Bibles, we study our Bibles, and we endeavor, we endeavor by the power of the Holy Spirit to live by the truth that's spoken through God's Word in this book. And so, you get, in order for you to be able to get it inside here, you've got to get it up in here. It goes head, heart, hands. It's got to get into your heads. And the way you get it to your head is you've got to read it. So we bring our Bibles on Sunday. How many of you read the Bible like on an iPad, an iPhone, an, a Droid phone, something like that? Okay. Could you just lift your Android, lift your iPad up? Look at all these. Okay, cool. Awesome. Good job. So you can bring your iPad, iPhone. I, got my, I actually use my iPad to preach off of, so... Anyway, you, any way you can get it into you, it's a great way. Galatians, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. The first one is Psalms 34, verse 19. Psalms 34, 19. I want you to turn there, and when you get there, say, I got it. Okay, give about three more seconds, and then I want you to flip over. New Testament, New Testament, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. I love the Psalms. The Psalms were written by a man by the name of David. David was the great, great king of Israel. The greatest king in their nation's history. Even to this day in the city of Jerusalem, their most prestigious hotel is named after this king. He was a significant man in his generation. He was a warrior. He was a leader. He was a prophet. He, he was mightily used of God to, to do uh, lots of things. But one of the cool things that he did that gives us his legacy is he wrote, he wrote words or songs that have become scriptures to us today. And David writes these words, and I want you to hear this in Psalms 34. I'm going to read verse 17 down through verse 19. I only have verse 19 on the screen, but verse 17 says, The righteous cries out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all, everyone say all, all. their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who were crushed in spirit. Verse number 19. A righteous man may have many troubles. But the Lord delivers him from them. The Lord delivers him from them. Oh, okay. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. And I've been speaking on Wednesday nights. We've been going through a Bible study. We've actually gone verse by verse through the book of Galatians for the last two months. And this last week, we actually, this was our text, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 1. Paul the Apostle writes these words to the church of Galatia. A church that has experienced the love of God. A church that's experienced the freedom that's in the Holy Spirit. And then they backslide. Everyone say backslide. And they went back to the old way. Now we don't want to go back to the old way. We want to live free. And that's what Paul declares. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 1 says, It is for freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Lord, in these next few minutes, the work of your Spirit has already been here through worship and through our, our giving, and you've touched our hearts, and there's such love in this family. We sense it today. But now we're asking for you to do what only you can do at the declaration of this Word. Father, I pray today that by the power of your Spirit, you would take the words that I would speak, and they would become your words to the hearts and the ears of those who hear 
Bless the hearers today. Give me grace and strength to communicate clearly what you want me to say, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Baggage free living. We've been talking about baggage, carrying baggage, the baggage that we all have in life. If you have a handout this morning, in your handout, I have this big idea. I want you to hear this big idea. This is our theme in this series, baggage, living, tra- uh, living free and traveling light. This is our theme in this series, and it's this, Jesus wants to unload the baggage of life that you were never meant to carry. Jesus wants to unload the baggage of your life that you were never meant to carry. The, uh, the second thing, you know, when we're talking about these concepts, we're talking about these biblical ideas, I, I, sometimes I've got to define the verbiage. And we all have an understanding of baggage, but I want to help define baggage in relationship to this series this morning. The, this concept that I'm talking about, baggage represents hurts, memories, habits, things that hinder us from experiencing healthy relationships and the fullness of God's abundant life. Baggage is anything that hinders us, that hurts us, that gets us stuck in a habit, that keeps us from being able to have healthy relationships and living the godly abundant life. That's what baggage is. I want to just real quick for review, I want to talk about a little bit of baggage. We talked about last week, we talked about four kinds of bags and and just for reference, we've, we've had some people bring in some more bags this week. And you, you might even want to do that. Just as we go through this series, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you about some baggage that you don't want to carry. You can just go ahead and bring your bag and put your name inside of it so that we'll give it back. We won't sell it to the goodwill, but you can come and you can just as a sign, as a physical sign that you're going to leave some baggage here with Jesus. You can come bring it. Some people brought some baggage last night, kind of helped me. Fill this up. I just had a vision, great big pile of bags taken over this whole stage by the time we get done as we unload our bags. Amen. Well, we talked about the little handbag and, and I had little accessories inside of this bag and they're so cute. And this is just kind of your personality, twer- you know, twerks and tweaks and just kind of the way you are. And, you know, you can carry your handbag around. You can do quite a bit with your handbag, you know, but you carry stuff with you. It's kind of who you are, but some things have happened, have shaped you. And and maybe the way you say things, a little sharp, or, you know, people just know you, and they just accept you the way you are. We're not trying to fix all of you at one time, but you got this little handbag, and inside of this bag, we have some neat little things, and every once in a while, we'll get confronted with some of this stuff, and then and we'll have to lie about it. That's kind of the accessories that can kind of go along with this handbag. It looks real cute, and we can carry this, and, you know, our little kids, they have a little tiny handbag, and we just think they're so cute when they tell mommy no, you know. They just, isn't he cute? He's picking up that handbag right there. He's starting to get in a pattern of carrying some baggage in life. And then we talked about the carry-on bag. And carry-on bag, you know, this is, you know, this one. This is the one that uh, you take to with the airport with you and you stick it in the luggage bin. And you can get rid of this one every once in a while. But you carry this one through life with you. You take it to work with you. And everywhere you go, you just pull that sucker out and you got the roll. Aren't you glad they got rollers now on handbags? I mean, on these bags, you can roll through the airport. But everywhere you go, and you know, every once in a while, someone gets to see what's inside this bag. They poke you just the right way. You open up this one and you show them the stuff that's inside of this bag. And I'm going to carry this one. And, and then the next bag, when we talk more about that, we're going to leave that one there. And we talked about the suitcase. This is getting real tough. This is a lot of stuff. This one holds a lot of stuff. And 
you'll meet people that are carrying suitcases through life. And you know, I mean, you, it's impossible. No matter where you, you can't hide. Everyone knows that they got baggage. I mean, everywhere they go, people tell them, hey, you need to get that fixed. They can't keep their job. They go from relationship. They've hurt everyone in their life. Most of the hurt that other people express to you is baggage that's left inside of here that they've never dealt with. And we talked about that baggage, emotional baggage that we carry around through life. And then the last trunk, and that's not even a bag, it's a trunk, we talked about was family memories, family history. There's a lot of secrets inside. There's actually, inside of this trunk, there's a lot of secrets because this trunk right here is full of photo albums from maybe a hundred years of my family history. There's a lot of secrets in there. And I pulled out some, just pulled out random and some of the family members that I knew. There's some secrets and there are probably some secrets in your family history. There's probably, you know, when you start trying to lug this, this, this trunk is heavy. When you start lugging around trunks in life, we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. We're going to unpack the secrets that are inside that trunk a little bit more. But trunks are real painful. Pain. We don't want to go there with trunks. We just rather forget about it. And we've all got those. We've all got family secrets. Every person here, there's no one immune to this. We've all got someone, something, might even be ourselves. It's something that we don't want to talk about in our life. Here's the deal. God wants you to live free and travel light. I titled this message, Who Packed My Bags? How did this stuff get inside of there? What are we going to do about it? That's what we're going to talk about today. How did this stuff get inside of there? And what are we going to do about it? The first way that we get stuff inside of our bags, just choices that we make. We just make bad choices. We listen to the wrong voices. We, we get involved in the wrong activities. We do things. We, you know, we spend money in the wrong places. We hang around with the wrong people. We just make some bad choices, and all of a sudden we get some baggage that starts to pile up inside of our life, our own choices. And the second thing is sometimes other people do things to you. Maybe in this room you, you, you've experienced the abuse of a parent. You, you've experienced the rejection of a parent. Maybe you were molested by an uncle or a cousin. or you know, All of us have hurts. All of us have stuff that's been done to us by others. You were in a marriage, and... And the other person cheated on you and ran off and took, you know, took off. You were in a business venture with somebody. And the other person did you wrong. And, or, you know, I mean, all of us have bad things happen to us. People do bad things. We live in a fallen world. Everyone say fallen world. It's a broken world. It's a sinful world. And we all experience the pain of other people's bad decisions. The third one is just life happens. Life happens to you. Life hap- It happens to everybody. You just, you know, my dad was driving down the road. Guy runs to a stop sign, smashes into him on his motorcycle, puts him into the hospital for three months and traps with his leg, leg in the air. I mean, it was just life. I mean, it's just one of those things. It happens. It was literally the guy didn't do it on purpose. It was a complete accident. And it was just life happens. And we have life happen to every per- person. The economy. We buy our house at the peak of the market. And the economy, right after we buy our house, the economy crashes. And so now we have a house, like maybe some of you, we have a house that's completely upside down. It's, you know, underwater. It's just the way it is. It's part of the economy that we live in. We live in a fallen world, a broken world, and there's no promises to anybody. There's no promises to anybody. Life happens to all of us. The next one is satanic attacks. If you are a believer today, you've accepted Christ, you've asked Christ into your life, he's forgiven you of your sins, let me tell you the enemy has a design and a plot and a plan for you And for your family, he hates you. The demonic powers of hell hate everything about your life. And they want to destroy you. They set out, they have an agenda, a hellish agenda. 
There's demonic attacks. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He seeks to devour. And if you're not aware, he, Peter says, be aware. Be on your guard. Don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Paul says, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. He's come to deceive you and to destroy you. He's come to deceive. and There are real life satanic attacks. And the only weapon and the only way that you can overcome them is by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. There is no other way. You must be a spiritual person with the full armor of God to engage in the spiritual attacks of the enemy. And the last one is, you know, some people want to blame God for the problems. There's a lot of hurt people out there. There's a lot of hurt people that got a lot of baggage. And they'll say this, well, why did God let this happen to me? Why did God let that? Why did this? You know, and every time you, you'll be at work and you'll try to be talking to somebody about the Lord. And what about these starving people in Haiti? What about the people over here? You know, why is God so good? Why all these kinds of things? People want to blame a good God for evil. That's bad. Why would you, why would, why would you blame the only one who can help you? Why would you do that? It's silly. You're thinking wrong. You've got a lot of stuff inside of here that the Lord wants to help you unpack. This week, this week, uh, I was struck, just my own, my own life as I left this church on Sunday. It was an incredible day last Sunday. It was just one of those days. It was just so real. God was so real to me, even in all the worship. And, you know, I'm here three times, and, and I hear the worship. And, but I, mean, I, I can tell you last Sunday, I was just in it. I was just worshiping. I could feel the presence. When I came in here, I knew it was going to be a special day. And it was a really awesome day. And I left here so encouraged. And we had a great October. We finished with our best October in the church's history. Come on, can we give God a great big hand? I was so... And I came in on Monday and all hell broke loose. I mean, literally, it was like, whoa. And had some conversations over the next couple of days with some people. And, and it was painful. That's all I can tell you. It was so painful. What I found is that I still got some baggage. I got some stuff inside of my baggage. And, and in the conversations that I had, one person said one thing to me in particular, just stuck. You ever have a conversation like that? Someone will say, and it's just one thing, but it kind of just like sticks. And you're like, start to think about what they said. And then you don't say it to them right then, but when you leave, you're like, well, mm, mm, mm. you know, come on, right? You know, you're like, well, let me, mm, 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 mm. And so I repeated that story a couple times, a couple friends trying to figure out how to deal with it. And by Thursday, what I realized, what I realized is that there was some stuff inside of me. As I was repeat, repeating the story again, the Holy Spirit said, that's your problem. You keep talking about your problem. You keep talking about it. And then, bam, it was like, whoa. Whoa, and I went home. I literally went home that afternoon. And I just started asking God to cleanse me. God helped me to unpack some bags, the stuff in my life. Lord, and I just, I prayed. I blessed that person. I released that person. I came in the next day and I had a completely different attitude. The air was completely clear. I talked to that person. I had nothing inside of me. There was no hurt. There was, I mean, I didn't feel it. I blessed them. I encouraged them. I mean, I was able, I, I, no, no kudos to myself, but because I understood, I understood there was a real live battle going on and there was some stuff that wanted to get back inside of my bags. And that stuff is unforgiveness. Stuff is unforgiveness. And so we have to deal with our stuff, all of us, every person. On Thursday morning, Laura and I were with another lady in our church at Starbucks right here in Lake Mary. And uh, we were having coffee. And, 
And we were talking about the servants last Sunday's service, and she was expressing the impact that it had on her and some things that were happening in her family. And it really had an impact on her last week, and she was talking about it. And as she was talking about it, there was another young couple that were, we were outside at one of the little tables. There was another young couple about six feet away. And, uh, you know, I didn't really notice them too much, but all of a sudden, their conversation started to get louder. And uh, they were unpacking their bags. They were unpacking a lot of stuff. And their conversation, you know, you know how you can be, start, your volume starts to rise. You're not quite screaming at each other yet, you know what I mean? But you're like right there, the, the threshold of, it's a loud conversation, it's, it's intense. We had an intense conversation. Well, they got really intense, and for the next 20 minutes, boom, man, they had a trunk. And what I realized is that it was a brother and sister, and this brother and sister, man, they were pulling out mother's stuff and dad's stuff and your wife's stuff, and they were, I mean, they were just, and they had their, I didn't even see them take one, they were just holding their cups, and they were just, it was, and he's like, you know, and he's doing all that, and I'm like, whoa, and then it stopped, and they packed everything back up, and they left. That's what they did. I mean, they got it all out. But they left there the exact same way that they came. Wow. Wow. It isn't that what happens to us. We come to church. Give my life away. Oh, yeah. Oh, use me. Give my life away. Yeah. And then I go out and I live. And I'm, oh, my husband, you couldn't believe it. Boss, I can't believe my boss. I, you know, I mean, we just, we aren't changed. Why? Because there's this problem that we have when we come to church. This is a house of hope and a house of healing and a house of change. But in order for that to happen, we got to get bare wire. We got to get bare wire. We got to like, okay, I got some stuff. And I'm not here to judge anybody, but I'm here to ask for some help. Years ago, we started a ministry called Celebrate Recovery. When I went and saw Celebrate Recovery in action in California, and I saw the way people were so honest, so honest, I was like, wow. That's when you start to find reality. You start to find hope, and you start to find out reality when you realize that, that it's not until you start to take you know, responsibility for the baggage that's inside of here. You, you, got, you can't keep blaming everybody else because now it's yours. It's yours. No matter how it came to you, it's yours. We all have baggage. We all have some baggage. Every person here, come on. It, it's in, in a boy, If you say, I don't have nothing in my life, you are so full of stinking pride. You really got, you got a big bag, man. You got, you know. But no, we all got stuff. And, and that's the awesome thing about the work of the Holy Spirit in us. See, the moment you came to Christ, the moment you came to Jesus, he set you free. He set me free. Yes, he set me free. I remember, <laughs> He broke the chains of something for me. I'm heaven bound and I'm, you know. Jesus came into your life and he forgave you. The moment you accept Christ, Jesus comes and he changes us from the inside out. The work, the, the forgiveness, the shame, the guilt, all the stuff of our past, he cleanses us from. The, far, the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he'll remember, he'll remember it no more. But here's the thing. He, he, he's, he forgives us, but he doesn't fix everything immediately. And that process is called sanctification. It's a big, you know, big theological word. It just simply means to make you whole. And that's what Paul says. Paul says, 
He that has begun a good work in you shall complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So that's what's happening in your life. You're on this journey. You're on this journey of becoming whole until Christ comes again. And as long as you're in this journey of life, there's going to be seasons, and some seasons are more intense than others, that you're going to be dealing with the baggage and the stuff that's still in your life. I found it in my life, and, and almost everybody in this room, we've experienced baggage in one of three ways. First way is this sense or feeling in our life is that we don't quite fit in. We don't quite fit in. People will come into a church, and they don't quite feel like they fit in. I don't fit in with that group. People will, you know, their whole life, they've kind of never felt like they fit in. They went to school, and they didn't quite fit in with the right groups. I, I remember when I was in high school, you know, they had different groups. You know, when I was a boy, when I was in high school, we had, we had the freaks and the jocks and the frocks and the cowboys. and What's that? The frocks. They were, they were jocks that liked to party. And so we had all these different groups. We had all these different groups. And I remember I tried each one for a little bit, you know. I tried to find my identity. There's this, I tried to, I didn't really know who I was. And so many young people in our culture today, they're not sure who they are. They're trying to find their identity. They try it with this group over here. That doesn't quite work for them. They go to this group over here. And so we got this whole countercultural movement today. And we got young people trying to find who they are. And they're getting tattoos and all this stuff going on and piercings. And, and they identify with this group of music or they start to identify with this persuasion of life. And, and they're trying to conform. They're trying to find conformance. But it doesn't stop as a teenager or a young adult. It goes right into adulthood. We try to conform in the workplace. And then all of a sudden we get into the rat race. And we try to conform to a certain, you know, expectation or way of thinking. And, and none of us want to feel like we're left out. None of us want to feel odd. None of us want to feel that way. And the problem when, we're con- when we start to feel like we don't fit in we start to conform, and a lot of times our conformity isn't to the image of Christ. We're not becoming who Christ has called us to be. And we live by fear of other people's opinions instead of living by faith in the Son of God. And when you start living by fear of what other people think about, you'll make wrong choices. You'll end up with wrong people and wrong places and wrong playthings. When you start living by fear of other people's opinions, when you start living that way, you'll spend money on the wrong things. You'll go the wrong places. When you start living that way, in the Bible, there's other people, the people that live like this. One guy in particular, his name was Saul. He became king. He lived his whole life in fear of what other people thought about him. He lived in fear. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about glorifying God. He, he, see, he had the religious aspect down, but he didn't have this thing going right. And so because he lived in fear, lived in fear, and fear of the people, he disobeyed God. And that's what happens when we try to conform to this world. Romans 12. Can you put Romans 12 up there? It says, Paul says in the message, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Now, look at this next part here. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what God has for you. That's what God wants for you. God has the best for you. That is to conform you to the image of His Son. We become conformers. The second thing that happens in our life is that we have this idea that we're not good enough. We're just not good enough. We become perfectionists. We try so hard at everything. I mean, we try. We're always, you know, we're trying to get the best grades. And, and there's some people who are really good at that. 
Some people are really good. Now, listen, I'm not talking about doing well. I'm not talking about excellence. I'm not talking about any of those kind of things. What I'm talking about is trying to perform to find the approval of other people. This was me. This is me. This is, this is one of the bags that I've carried around much of my life. The approval, the need for approval of other people. I've wrestled with this. I've had to lay this one down. I've had to unpack this one out of my bag more than one time. Just because I did it once doesn't mean I have to do it again. You know, when people get into this performer trap or this performer kind of mode, what do you think? How'd it go? What do you think about me? How do I look? I mean, we get all these kinds of, we're looking for this sense of approval from someone else. Now, the Bible says we're to encourage one another. We're to speak life to one another. But when we get stuck into the performance mode, and some of it, for me in particular, was rooted from my childhood. When I was a little boy, I wanted to please my dad so much, and it seemed like I could never make my dad happy no matter what I did. And honestly, I don't ever remember, probably until maybe my 30s, but the first time I ever even heard my dad say that I did something well was when I was 19. And he didn't even tell me face to face. He told my mom, who told me. I mean, he couldn't even tell me. And so I just, I wanted this approval so bad. And when you try to live for other people's approval, let me tell you, it just, it, it, it makes religion, it makes your worship religious because it's about performance. It's about how many times you can go to the altar. It's about how many Bible chapters you can read. It's about, you know, it's, it start, you start to all these kinds of things, try to perform for God rather than just being accepted as God's child. When Jesus talked to Mary and Martha, he said, Martha, you don't understand. Stop, 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 stop. Mary chose the better part because she is a worshiper of me. You know, Jesus wants you to make worship your number one priority. When you make, listen, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. The, second, the third thing that I want to talk about is this, you're not worthy. I'm not worthy. My wife and I were joking last night. My wife got to hear, she's going to get to hear this message four times because she got to hear it again last night. And uh, we were going, I was going through it, talking about this concept a little bit and and so you can use me as an illustration. So I got permission to use her as an illustration. But in our family, my wife, that's kind of our running joke. She'll feel like, I'm not worthy. We'll go to dinner, and so she'll just order a side salad. Because I'll just eat off of your plate. I'm like, no, you ain't going to eat off my plate, girl. I mean, I got my arm around it. You know, you ain't going to come on. She's got her fork. We're on the airplane, and she's giving my food out to other people because we're not worthy. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Give that food back here. That's mine, you know. And, but we get this, I'm not worthy kind of mindset. I'm I'm ugly. Who would ever love me? I'm fat. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. We get into this I'm not worthy kind of mindset. And a lot of that also has to do from your childhood. You know, that feeling of insignificant and never meeting up and maybe feeling unloved. Some people, some people weren't loved. They weren't really loved. They were abused, taken advantage of. And, and when that happens, we have this sense of inferiority, deep inferiority inside of us. And we kind of fake it and and so we just don't feel like we're worthy. We just don't feel like we're re- really, really worthy. Because we don't really see ourselves the way that God sees us. And this woman in the Bible who had five husbands, and Jesus comes to her, she had that same impurity complex. And when you go from relationship to relationship, and you're always trying to find this you know, person to you know, find acceptance. I, 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 I thought about, I've known some women who are really excellent, I mean, phenomenal, just great spiritual women and have chosen some real losers to be part of in their life. And I thought, well, why would they do that? Well, the reason they, they do that is because they don't feel like they're worthy of anything better. Why does a young girl, a young girl who grows up in church and knows the truth about purity and God's wonderful plan for their life, why do they end up sleeping with somebody that they hardly even know? You know why they feel that way? Because they don't feel loved inside. They don't feel worthy. Adults do it too. Don't kid yourself. 
Adults do it too. Women on business trips, they don't feel worthy, don't feel loved by their husband. They end up sleeping with somebody. I mean, it happens. I've seen it. You've seen it. it you know it in the workplace. The sense of unworthiness. We don't feel worthy. And Satan keeps us trapped and beat down because we don't recognize that we're loved by God. God loves you. God loves you. God loved you that He gave His only begotten Son. It's the love of God that was shed abroad upon the cross for you and I. It's the love of God that enables you to cry out to Him, Abba, Father. It's, you got to get this. you got to hear this this morning. You are accepted in the Beloved. You are the chosen of God. You are victorious. You are special to God. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah declared you were so special to God when he looked down on creation. He said, that's my child. That's my child. She's the apple of my eye. I'm going to protect her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to meet her needs. I'm going to take care of her. I'll be her source. I'll be her strength. But when you're looking down in the mud, in the mire, and I'm not worthy, and I'm so terrible, you can't receive the love of God. Look up, the Bible says. Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Your help comes from God today. He loves you. He embraces you. He wraps His arms of love. We sing, it ain't just a song. He wants you to know it's the love of God. It's His love. In our lives this morning, in this room today, all three services, if statistics hold out, if statistics hold to be true, 10% of the people that were in attendance on a church service that did 10%, 11% of the population are taking Prozac in our culture today. 11% that's not a made up number that was just reported on NPR the last couple of weeks 11% of the population between pills pot pornography and booze I mean you tell me people don't got baggage give me a break give me a break it's everywhere it's in your workplace it's in your family it's in your life we're trying to self-medicate this feeling of unworthiness, this feeling of not being loved, this feeling of insecurity, this feeling of the fear of man. Listen, it's true. It's real. This, this is the manifestation. This is the fruit. This is the result of it. And I'm not, we're not condemning anybody here. I'm not looking to condemn. I'm, not looking, I'm looking to give you some hope that there's a healer in the house. There's a person, there's a, a person and his name is Jesus, and he's come to deliver you. This poor man cried out, and the Lord delivered him. From all his troubles. Listen to me. Satan condemns. The Holy Spirit comes alongside to convict and to help. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with the baggage inside of us? How do we deal with it? How do you deal with it today? First thing you got to do is you got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. You just got to ask. Ask and you shall receive. Jesus said... Jesus said, you being evil, not to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father desire to give the gift of his Holy Spirit? Ask. You know, in, in the Greek, the word for Holy Spirit, the for spiritus, the word is parapletos. It means one who comes alongside. Para, along. One who comes alongside to be your helper. Comes alongside to be your helper. The Holy Spirit, when you ask, you just got to open your mouth. I'm powerless. Lord, I'm powerless against this hurt. Lord, I'm powerless against this habit. I can't stop it. I need your help. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He's your helper in your time of need. Romans 8 says, listen, Romans 8 says, oh, you're groaning. You're crying out to God. The Holy Spirit will even pray for you. He will pray through you, for you, to the Father. 
with groanings that cannot even be uttered. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. The second thing that has to happen in our life, I forgot the second one. Second one is we've got to look for repetitive patterns. Look for things that you keep coming up in your life. Look for conflicts and relationships that keep coming up. People go from, I've met people that go from job to job, never can quite find the right job, and they work at a place six months a year, and don't like that, and it wasn't right, and they go from place to place. What, what is that about? What's that about? It's a repetitive pattern of something not being at peace, not being dealt with, not being settled within their life. Patterns of addictions, same patterns, doing same things, repetitive patterns. If repetitive things are happening, and you're not getting free from them, you're not moving forward in them, it means that there's stuff inside of here. Conversations. Same conversations. Same conversations. Pulling out the bag, packing it back up. Pulling out the bag, packing it back up. Pulling out the stuff out of the bag, packing it back up. Repetitive conversations. Let's get real. And the third thing. The third thing. If you don't see it, if you're not sure what it is, ask a close, trusted friend. Ask a close, trusted friend. Here's the thing. Sometimes, sometimes our friends are able to tell us things that no one is really willing to tell us. Because see, the, the goal, the whole goal is here. The whole goal is healing. The whole goal is restoration. The whole goal is abundant living. The whole goal is being conformed to the image of Christ. The whole goal is being a conqueror. The whole goal is being victorious. The whole goal is living as a champion. The whole goal is living in the love of God. Come on. The whole goal is knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. The whole goal is to know that you're His child. And to live that way. To live like the King's son. To live like the King's daughter. Not stuck inside of a bag. Not all your stuff in there. No. No, no, no. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And to give it to you more abundantly. Here's what's got to happen. First of all, when you ask God to forgive you, when you come to God, you've got to believe that He has the power to forgive. Forgiveness. Ephesians 1.7. Can you put that verse up there? Ephesians 1.7. Look at this verse here. When you come to Christ, you're a new person. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Psalms 103 says, From the east is to the west. As far as the east is to the west, he'll remember your sins no more. You don't got to keep bringing it up. You know, it doesn't matter if someone keeps reminding you of it. It doesn't matter if the devil keeps whispering in your You failed. You made a mistake. You did this. You failed in that business. Whatever. I mean, I've seen this. The enemy whispers in your all these lies. I want you to know the moment you come to Christ and you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all your wrongdoing. Today is a new day. In God, you're forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven today. Second thing, you must. This got to go here. This is the biggest journey in your life. Because every person has probably heard this at least once, unless you've never been into a church before. You've heard this kind of message. It's got to go from here. In order for you to walk out those doors different, in order for you to leave this place changed, it's got to go from here to here. That takes faith. And it doesn't take a lot of faith. It's a little tiny faith. It's called belief. I believe. I believe I'm forgiven today. Devil, listen, I read the end of the book, and you lost. I won. 
I won. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. I am in Christ Jesus today. You've got to believe that you're forgiven. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to know your security is today. Your security, your security has got to be in Christ alone. You are His child. Put that verse up in Romans for me real quick. This resurrection life, this born again life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. You're not just muddling around in the baggage, in the death. It's not a grave tending life. It's an adventurously expectant greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? An adventurous life. You're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. That old life is below you. The Bible says when you come to God, you are the head and not the tail. You will rise above. You will not be beneath. Come on. You are a child of the living God. You're secure in him. He can't love you any more than he already loves you. Maybe your father never approved you. Maybe you never. I want you to know your heavenly father. I love you. Oh, you are awesome. You are incredible. Oh, I saw the way you I saw the way you didn't get ticked off with that person and give them a piece of your mind whenever you they deserved it. I saw that. Oh, you did good on that one. He's he's cheering you on. There's a grand stand in heaven of hosts, of witnesses that are saying, Come on, you can do it. You can lay aside the baggage. You can throw them off. You can take the stuff and the junk out, and you can leave it at the cross because you're secure in Jesus today. The last thing I want you to hear this morning, you're free. You're free. You're free. Thank God Almighty, you're free. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You are free. Come on. Say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free free from shame. Come on. Say, I'm free from shame. I'm free from from guilt. I'm free from from condemnation. I'm free from from the failures of my past. Today is a new day. In Christ Jesus. Jesus. You're free today. Stand with me this morning. Come on. This is up to you. I've implored you. I've declared it. This is truth. We've declared the truth of God's word today. And you're here this morning. Close your eyes. You're here right now. You want some stuff. You want to just not unpack your bag and pack it back up. But you want to start unpacking some stuff. And you're going to leave it. You're going to leave it. You know you got some work to do. You know, there's some things that got to change. You know, there's some ways.